Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by GhostBed.com. Sit back, relax, and grab a fucking drink. Yeah, welcome to Drinking Bros, kids. D'Anthony, we got a young man on the show by the name of Robbie Starbuck here today. Patriots. Cuban-American, also another huge fan of Creed, we learned before we, we started the show. Yeah, it's funny. We didn't even bring it up, and he just immediately started talking about Creed. Yeah, it was strange. I sang Creed, actually. You, you yeah, were singing. Yeah. Let's, can you give the audience a few bars here of what you were singing to us in our headphones before we got on here? <laughs> no, they got to pay for that. Oh, fair enough. Well, they are. Enough. It's on Patreon today. Uh, they got to pay me for that. Oh, <laughs> got it, got it, got yeah. it. What's your day No, this rate? is narcissism right here. <laughs> uh, Robbie Starbucks here from the Robbie Starbucks Show. Uh, look, we'll start with uh, what's happening here live. Uh, the Republicans are trying to elect a Speaker of the House. Uh, Jim Jordan is uh, on the docket here. He's 0 for 2 today. Got 200 votes, needs right around 216 to get this passed. Uh, they re-voted, and he's down to 199. Robbie, do you think he's going to get it? You know, I th- I think I think he will, however... This is just embarrassing at this point. You know, mm-hmm. really, I think a lot of people throughout COVID and throughout this Congress and Biden's presidency have realized more and more how useless our entire government is on the federal level. And you start to sort of get the impression that we should be focusing our efforts on our actual states. You know, I live in Tennessee, and I think a lot of our efforts have been centered on how do we make Tennessee the best it can be? How do we make sure that Tennessee is number one in every way I want it to be number one, that we're the safest, that we don't have these problems that we see, you know, destroying other states? Because federally, it's just an absolute dumpster fire. And, you know, a decent number of the Republicans in Congress, these are not, these are not your typical Republican voter. You know, these are people so far removed from the daily lives of your average Republican voter that it's a joke. I mean, they're all just in this incestuous D.C. cult where, you know, they see problems in ways that your average American never sees them. They think the problems are a set of problems that the average American never faces. And they don't pay any attention to the issues that really, you know, affect a normal family in America. So, I'd love to say and pretend that I'm super concerned about the speaker vote, but I'm, I'm really not. I'm more concerned about, like, what can we do on a local and state level for individuals to protect their families, the places they love, their culture and their people, because the federal government is going to do nothing well. You know, I was actually in a Social Security office this morning um, for one of my kids, and I was watching just how terrible our government is at things. And my kid turns to me and goes, Dad, is there anything the government does do well? And I had to think about it and I was like, you know what? I can't think of one thing. And then it popped in my head and I said, I can actually. Um, They're good at taking our money and spending our money. That is all the federal government is good at, period. Okay. And I say good at because they spend a lot of it. So they must they must know how to do it. You know, they're they're doing a decent job of that. And they never forget to take every dime from us when it comes to tax time. So I, I really think that the more we disempower the federal government, the better. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, what what is it? I'm curious from your perspective, because you've been in this for a while, making content and, and such. Um, is there is there even a conservative party anymore? It doesn't seem like it, really. You know what I mean? It's it's it seems like, you know, <clears throat> the, the left leaning people 
are uh, hell-bent on war and the right-leaning people are hell-bent on spending money, which is like, that's the, we're living in some kind of fucking bizarro world now at this point. You know, we need mom and dad. We need the, the nurturer. We also need the disciplinarian that's going to be a little tighter with the purse strings. And now nobody's doing their assigned roles anymore, and we're just like $33 trillion in debt. You know what I mean? I just don't see very many actual conservatives cruising around anymore. No, it's a clown show. I mean, think about this. In D.C., you've got these counties surrounding Washington, um, you know, and surrounding Congress and the White House. And these are counties that are among the top 10 wealthiest in the country. Um, They produce absolutely nothing from those counties. If you look at other super wealthy places, there's something you could name that they produce. Um, You know, even even in places where it's things that maybe they shouldn't make that much, you can at least name what they produce. You know, like in Beverly Hills, you know, they produce largely entertainment. Okay, and that's what makes a lot of those people wealthy in D.C., what can you name that they produce aside from corruption? Very little. It's all stagnation and corruption is really the name of the game if you want to continue to have the money flow in. And so, you know, I think that that's really far removed from the vision our founders had for the country. I don't think they envisioned a future where the richest places in the country were going to be people who were in this incestuous, corrupt D.C., you know, um, money spending spree. Mm. And, and that's that's what we've turned into, you know, in terms of conservatives, though. I've I've tried really hard to actually think about this question because it's one that normal people ask a lot. And I found that like what we have to do is we have to separate the party structure and the people running like the good old boy system from the actual people. Because if you go to people, people are remarkably overwhelmingly conservative in America. Even some people who vote Democrat just out of pure like this is what I've been taught my whole life to do. If you went issue by issue with them, they're more on the conservative side of things, you know, and that, and that continues in the black community and the Hispanic community. The Hispanic community is overwhelmingly conservative, you know, but a lot of them have voted Democrat for a long time just out of being told, hey, the media says this other party's racist. The truth is, though, if you go to normal people, there's overwhelmingly conservative values. But if you go to the class of people running the country, there's overwhelmingly left wing values. And some people say liberal. That's totally wrong. None of these people are liberal. They're illiberal to the you know utmost degree. These are people who don't believe in free speech. They don't believe that you're smart enough to make your own decisions. They believe you need some human being here in America to play God and teach you how to live your life and tell you what the confines are. Here's the rules. You got to wear your mask. You got to get this shot shoved in your arm eight times a year. You've got to have this. You've got to have that. And they think they're your betters. Okay. Then there's people like us who, because of social media, are able to break through. You know, you go back 20 years ago, a voice like mine would have never been heard. Okay. And same with you guys. We would have never been heard in any serious way. And that's not a mistake. That was on purpose. That's part of the plan. And now that we're able to break through because of there being some places online where we can break through, you know, like uh, X has been very good to me um, since Elon Musk has bought it. And he himself has pushed a lot of my content. And I think that, you know, us being able to break through with different narratives and, um, you know, perspectives from normal people in the end is going to bring us to a new place because you look at sort of these turnings that happen within governments and republics. And America's at this point that very clearly we need a change and we are going to change. It's just a matter of when is that going to happen? How quickly? And are we going to be able to do it peacefully? And I hope that we are. I mean, I'm I'm terribly hopeful we're able to do it peacefully because I hate the alternative yeah. of what you see in, in history. You know, if you look back just at history, 
it tells you it's very rare that that change happens peacefully, but I hope that it does here. Yeah, well, there, I, was, I, well, there was an article out today that 31% of Trump supporters say they explore, uh, they want to explore an alternative form of government and they don't mind if violence is the answer in getting it. Yeah, um, I, I, I think know. that, I think that uh, a lot of this, uh, this, this change that could happen uh, will probably be via that. I just don't know if it's this generation. I think a more likely scenario it's, is that the institutions that we're looking at now will collapse and the violence we'll see will be violence of, uh, 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 I guess, circumstantial violence. That is to say, predators and criminals, right, who are operating in the absence of those institutions until we re-solidify society. That seems far more likely to me than any kind of civil war. Well, you know, it's not just just Trump voters either who are saying that mm. in really discouraging numbers, you know, saying that, you know, they're open to violence being the answer. In fact, there was some recent polling done that showed that people on the left are far more likely to accept violence to get to their political aims than conservatives are. And, you know, I, I don't think it really matters. Like, who is this group of people saying that they're open to violence. I think what matters is, oh my gosh, we're talking about a huge chunk of our country that thinks violence is the next step here. By the way, those voters um, would be almost certainly not the ones doing the violence because his share of voters yeah. is pretty old. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're yeah. pretty no, old. I think that's, that's pretty I think shitty. That's right. Yeah, um, and and for me personally, like I, I think you're right. It is on both sides. Uh, however, uh, I think in this segment of voters and with Trump in particular, there's a lot of veterans, obviously. Uh, and there's a lot of people that don't mind picking up a gun and saying, all right, cool. If this is what it is, this is what it is. Yeah, but veterans aren't going to take up arms against their own people like that. No, I, I, it, I, I agree. Happen. I, um, it, it's just not. I, I mean, think the only context where you would is if the government was hunting down normal people, which, you yeah. know, I wish if you if, if anybody had uttered that sentence, you know, 10 years ago, I would have said, you're crazy. Come on. Um, Same. But the truth is. I mean, how far away are we from that being some semblance of reality where where that's happening? Because you you talk about a time now where, you know, I made this list recently of all the ways we're sort of going down this path to hell or communism. And it's sort of a new form of communism. A lot of the older folks, when you say the word communism, they kind of bristle and they, they think uh, communism means, you know, total control of the means of production. But the truth is, like anything, um, especially the way the left operates today, sometimes definitions do change. And um, sometimes the way that certain things work begin to change at the advent of new technology. And communism is no different. We have this new technological age. And I think that the old school communism has sort of fused with this idea that, you know what, you don't need the state to particularly own these things, because if you have a society that's very averse, to total communism that's in their face that they know is happening, it's much easier to just control those companies from government and know that they will do whatever you want and have mm. them act as your censors, have them act as your propagandists, you know? And we're living through that now. That is where we are, where big tech is fused with the federal government. Um, shortly, I will have an announcement about that because, as you know, I think a lot of people know, um, 
you know, back in the 2020 election, there was a large censorship operation being run through the federal government. And part of that was these groups that DHS was using as third party proxies. These third party proxies were then using their power um, and the money that they got via grants from the government. We're talking millions of dollars to then go and target censoring people like myself, Charlie Kirk, Donald Trump Jr. There's a list of about 20 of us that were the top 20 priority targets that they had. And they worked with major you know, universities in America like Stanford to create these lists. And um, they, they really went to insane lengths to brand us as what they called you know, the top misinformation spreaders in, in the world or in the country. Yeah. And that was, a, in effect, the government starting its own censorship operation against the people. And I think that's something that, again, you don't see in free countries. You don't see the government do that on behalf of, you know, uh, one political party. Yeah, it's like uh, the marriage of communism and fascism, right? I mean, th this. Yeah, it really is. It's like a marriage of communism and fascism. Yeah. That's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, it's, you know, may maybe it was intentional or maybe it wasn't. You know, maybe it's just the, the yeah. just the shitty parts of human nature and desire for power. And it just happened to manifest itself this way, but it does appear like, you know, these assholes have taken the bet, the quote unquote best parts from fascism and communism. And, uh, you know, made the worst. Butter, jelly sandwiches. <laughs> the worst, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But when I say best, I mean, most effective, right? Because, yeah. you know, it's what is working. You're right. It, it, it well, is not effective. only, not only does it work, but one of the good, one, one of the, one of the signs of a very good information operation campaign, and Russia is great at this, is that you can't exactly put your finger on ex what, what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. It's like all the words or theories that you've used in the past to define something no longer apply. This is something new, and it's hard to convince people that something nefarious is coming around when it's something new to them. Like you, like you said, Robbie, yeah. people know what communism is, right? Although there are a minority of people in this country who are deluded enough to think we should be communists. I mean, and, and pointing to them like, see, fucking there are communists. is a complete waste of time and oxygen, frankly. Totally. We time. should spend way more time articulating exactly what's happening right now. So people could be aware of it and identify it in their day to day lives. Cause you know, yeah. the, the censorship of by DHS, FBI, CIA, NSA using third party, uh, uh, private companies like that, or in some cases, publicly traded companies. That's a good example, but you know, leveraging OSHA, for example, uh, to to yeah. to reach down towards people and private businesses and tell them, well, you can't come to work if you don't get your shot. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? That's another example of fucking public-private partnership that's butt fucking the country. You know what I mean? It happens, and so you're going to run into it no matter what, uh, no matter what class you're in, no matter what kind of job you work, whether you're involved in politics or not. You're going to run into it at some point. I think it's really useful to be able to identify that shit. Yeah, um, it is. And, and then informing people about it, uh, like your shows and uh, in, in ours. Um, were you able, real quick, were you able to get together with those 20 or so people, uh, like DJ TJ and, and Charlie Kirk and those guys, uh, and discuss what was exactly going on behind the scenes and kind of share info on it? 
Yeah. So, you know, the Twitter files gave us some information mm -hmm. too, um, specifically like to me and Charlie and a couple of the people, um, because, you know, the stuff Elon gave to some of the journalists who who put out the Twitter files, it, it had information about us and the requests made some of it. Um, so that was very helpful in terms of the people on the list. I've definitely spoken to a lot of them. Um, and I think there, there will be an announcement at some point very soon because, you know, some of this is um, being litigated right now. Yeah, because our, so, our guess when we heard it after we did the live Twitter file show, not to, I hate to interrupt you, was that there would be yeah. a massive class action lawsuit and that more than likely most of the people would get together who are on those Twitter files uh, would, would get together and file a mass, massive class action lawsuit against the government. But we also said in the articles of discovery and everything else, it would probably end up being a settlement just because they don't really want everybody to know what was being shared amongst who and then who was shut out of these social media networks. Yeah, so I can give you a little bit of info. Um, I would think you're close to on the right track with what you said. I would say there's some people like myself who are not motivated by money that are ideologically driven. And somebody like me, I will not take a settlement from, from the federal government. I will not. I, I am definitely out for uh, proving a point. And I think that's very important in, in these things. You have to set, you know, we have too many people who are so self-concerned. They're willing to go, okay, yeah, if I take, you know, multi-million dollar settlement from the government, then I can use that to do good things. Yeah, well, I think it's more valuable to prove what the federal government did. And I think it's more valuable to be able to take that and you can still get a settlement in the end, right? Um, but you've got to get to the point where you have have proven their guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, and you've created precedent for the future so they can never do this again to an American citizen. And I think that's the most important thing is set that precedent in the law because that is what is long lasting, not whatever multi million dollar settlement you get from the government. You know, um, in fact, I can tell you right now, if I am faced with the choice of one or the other. I will absolutely take their admission of guilt over the other. You know, um, I think that that's that valuable, that important to the country and the future for my kids and my grandkids that they live in a country where the, the American government can never go create a censorship operation to go after individual citizens. You know, members of the government can disagree with me. I'm thousand percent okay with that. They can they can vehemently disagree with me. They can call me names, whatever they want. Okay. Um, on their free time, you know, I consider that their First Amendment right. If they want to, you know, pretend they think I'm this or that or whatever, I understand once you become public figure, you know, there's a pretty large threshold for proving that somebody's being libelous or slanderous or whatever, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so I don't really worry about it. They can call me whatever they want. I mean, I can't even count the number of times I've been called a racist despite the fact I'm Latino, um, specifically about the immigration issue, which is funny. Um, but that's just reality, you know, and I, I think we have to prove that point by setting precedent. But I'm sure your lawyers have sat down with you. Dan and I have been in some of these lawsuits before and said, hey, Robbie, uh, you know, to fight a case like this financially is going to run you up uh, mid six figures to low seven figures just for your legal fees. Now, sure, mm -hmm. the government, you know, in a settlement like that could turn around and say, all right, the judge could say pay his legal fees or not. Uh, you don't know how that's going to shake out until after the trial's over. But you're also looking at a long fight. Um, and that's if you took this to trial, on average, it's about three to five years plus legal fees in that. Uh, 
I'm sure your lawyers, again, have, have told you this. Yeah. You still want to go through with it. Oh, absolutely. And there's there's some little like there's stuff I can't say yet, but uh, there I would say don't expect it to take that long um, because there's some intricacies within the law and the way certain things are already happening in the court systems. I would point to, say, the lawsuit happening right now between the the uh, Missouri attorney general mm -hmm. and the federal government about this exact issue. And it concerns all of us as well. And it's at the step right before it would go to the Supreme Court. And so um, I think things could go a lot faster than people would think. But in terms of like the money, there are still people out there like me who are ideological, who want to see this through from the legal perspective for the same reasons I want to see it through. And so, um, you know, I think that once once we've got the news out there about sort of how we're going to go after this, I think people are going to be very, very pleased and we are going to go for, um, you know, getting that precedent. Well, look, I, I'd love to see it. Uh, I know when the Twitter files dropped, I believe it was on a Friday night, uh, you and I were texting back and forth and we were starting to go through this. Uh, I thought when it initially happened, this is going to be one of the biggest stories of all time. It felt bigger than Watergate and everything else. And then all of a sudden, maybe 72 hours later, it just kind of trickled out and disappeared. Nobody really talked about it after that. Um, and then they did it again a week later and then a week later. Uh, and it seemed to be a trending topic for about four or five hours. And then, boom, everybody forgot about it. Why don't more people care? Well, again, you know, um, a lot of people like to say the media has no power, but that's not true. The media does shape the narrative in a lot of ways. Yes, we are breaking through online in a way where we can start to set narratives or change narratives or, you know, be able to get the truth out there. But the media still sets a large number of the narratives that we see in day-to-day -day life. So if the media in total colludes to the point where, and they don't even need outright collusion. They don't need to get in one big meeting where they say, hey, we're all going to ignore this thing. It's a matter of hiring practices, which you see this in corporations as well. One of the ways corporations sort of avoid um, any sort of conservative leaning person is they don't hire them. OK, you know, it's very easy during hiring and ha having these HR people who are super far left to make sure you're kind of ideologically screening people by using buzzwords and keywords, reading through their resume and making sure, oh, this one says they're Latinx. That's <laughs> a good sign if you're a left wing HR person. Right. You've got some kooky person who believes in that. So this is this is sort of how they filter this stuff through. And I don't think it's any different on the flip side with this issue. Um, you know, you've got the media in such a position where 99 percent of the people at mainstream media companies, and this includes Fox, are filled with staffers who consider themselves on the left or the far left. Um, they would never say they're far left. But, you know, ideologically, if any normal person looked at them, they would. And if that's the case, when something comes up that is bad for the left or bad for the Democrats, they just ignore it in total. I mean, we just saw this. In fact, I'm going to talk about this on my show tonight. This this case with the bombing, OK, that just happened in uh, Gaza, the mm -hmm. hospital, right? For the first, you know, 18 hours, the media just totally ran with this story that 500 plus innocent people were killed inside of a hospital. That hospital was bombed by these evil people in Israel. OK, it turns out, you know, you give a story 24 hours to breathe, let people investigate it. What really happened when they went there this morning, the hospital's still standing. OK, the parking lot was hit. The parking lot was not hit by an Israeli rocket. The parking lot was hit 
by a failed rocket fired from a Palestinian group in Gaza. Okay, now, how did they know that it was fired from that? Well, Al Jazeera was filming during the night and Al Jazeera accidentally caught it. Al Jazeera is not a pro-Israel network. This is a very (laughs) anti-Israel network. Okay, they caught the actual rocket launch, the failure of it and it landing. And then you've got, you know, some other um, intelligence captured stuff that was released this morning. You've got U.S. intelligence also confirming, yes, we did, in fact, confirm this is this is what went down. It was a Palestinian rocket that failed. Um, But for a good 18 hours getting, you know, probably well over we're talking in the billions of views worldwide via the news itself, social media and digital media online. This narrative perpetuated that, yes, this was Israel that did this. Yes, they intentionally bombed a hospital. And yes, they killed over 500 people. Well, 500 people didn't die. Like I said, it hit a parking lot. Some people did die, and that's tragic and terrible. It came as a byproduct of a failed Palestinian rocket launch. And that narrative is just getting out there now. And here's the thing. Even though the truth is out there now, I mean, I've got a post with one of the videos showing the the parking lot that I think has six million views already this morning in the past couple hours on X. And even though that's getting out there now, the reality is at the end of this, you're still going to have close to a billion people, maybe more worldwide, who believe the initial narrative the media ran with for 18 hours. So going back to the Twitter file story, the reason why it wasn't a bigger story, the people who perpetuated that lie for 18 hours did not want the Twitter files to be a story because it was bad for the party that they vote for. And do you think... Elon Musk, um, because obviously he was he was in on this and he he appeared to uh, to handpick the journalist himself. My thought was when he handpicked these guys, all right, he would push this to the top of the algorithm and then have this sit there forever. Or do you think I mean, I I don't know if you've had had any any conversations with him or or anything like that. But uh, do you think that uh, he sat there and said, all right, well, I need this social media network to operate the way any other social media network should operate. And if it trends for four hours or 24 hours, it shouldn't matter either way. Yeah, I definitely don't think he would force any any topic to to be a trend when it's not naturally one. So I think that one of the things about sort of the new version of X and and I think this is this is good. This is right. This is how things should work is a lot of what's popular, what's trending is just based solely on, hey, what are people interested in right now? What are they talking about? And I think that's a good thing. You know, one of the things I hated about old Twitter is they had, um, do you remember moments? They had the moments tab. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that was curated by some like, you know, 20 year old Antifa member basically in San Francisco. And so you'd get this crazy stuff that showed up in everybody's profile trying to push you to care about something. I think that's wrong. Um, I think that probably the best way that we could engage in these hard topics as as not just a country, but social media makes it global. So as a world, I think one of the best ways we could do that is really based off of the you know, feelings, desires, and interests of actual people. Um, am I saying their feelings will always be right? No, but their interests matter. And so I think, you know, dictating an algorithm to care about that is the smartest, wisest thing for the future. Um, because at the end of the day, if you do not address the things people are interested in, you're going to have so many disaffected people who feel like they don't have a voice, don't have any representation in media or anything, that bad things are going to happen. So I think that the way they operated it was wise. The real 
problem wasn't, you know, did Twitter put it in their algorithm to be high enough up there? It was really that the rest of the media intentionally ignored the story. It didn't get carried on six o'clock news at night. Very rarely, at least. I mean, it did in a couple places, but very rarely was it covered in the news the Mm -hmm. way that an issue like Watergate was, you know, where that was that was, you know, from beginning to end of every news show in America when that was going on. Not the case with the Twitter files. And when it was spoken about on major media networks, it was spoken about in such a way that, you know, they were almost defend. They were defending the apparatus. You know, they're defending the censorship of American citizens like, oh, these people are so dangerous. And you know what's really funny about my case? Uh, My case is unique because there are some people that um, they were making requests on where you could argue, hey, this thing they're making a request on was not factual. Every request made about me was verifiably factual by any mainstream media source. Like now you go back and you can look at any one of those things they censored or took down or shadow banned me or search banned me for on social media. Every single one has mainstream media backup. And it makes my case very unique because they were very effectively just saying we need to censor this person because we don't like that this is getting out there. They don't like that a certain truth is getting out there. And that's something I think is is sort of a differentiating factor. And I'm not the only one like that, but very rare um, because there are like anybody. I mean, you look at any mainstream media outlet. They have so many mistakes. I mean, you can't even put a number on it. So obviously, citizen journalists and people who are just trying to get the truth out there, they're going to make mistakes here and there. Um, I, I sort of have a system that that I use that I think keeps me from having a lot of those mistakes that we see some people have. So in my case, you know, it was really more so I was ahead of the mainstream media on things because I had good sources and I ended up right in all the cases where they were trying to censor me. So um, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, I think I think we have not heard the last of this story. Yeah, it is. Uh, I wonder, you know, <clears throat> from. uh I, we've, I've been saying this since 2020, you know, uh, certainly there, there were some irregularities in the way we conducted our last vote. I mean, the last minute push to do mail-in and all that stuff. But that for me, it was a real forest for the trees kind of situation because, you know, you don't necessarily need to hack a voting machine if you can hack someone's brain. And it isn't just, oh, yeah, about, you don't. It you isn't don't just about what you're saying. It's about what, you know, what information you allow to be published and then this is the point this is the purpose of propaganda repetition is one of the biggest purposes of propaganda Mm -hmm. right just like if you say something loud and long enough people will start to believe it uh especially when you add in you know societal pressures like manufacturing consent where people are now self-censoring this idea that if you and and it happens on both sides and it happens with almost every issue now if you question the narrative on U.S. support of Israel, you're anti-Semitic. If you question the narrative on the election, you're an election denier. If you question the narrative on vaccines, then you're a, you're a fucking crazy vaccine denier. It's like that's the standard now. That's that's the the go-to rebuttal on both sides of the aisle. If anybody challenges their premise, instead of just you know defending your premise with information, which would be the the reasonable way to handle that situation. Yeah, you know, one of the things I like the most that um, gets asked is people say, what side are you on? Mm. And that's a good indication to me that I'm doing a good enough job not imposing my own bias when I am telling people something that is factual. You know, uh, take, for instance, you know, um, 
I think some of the mistakes people make in the fog of war, whether it be the Israel situation with Hamas or it's Ukraine and Russia, is they get very heavily invested in one side. And if you get heavily invested in one side, um, especially if your your job or what you're doing is trying to just give people good information, the problem is, is you get these rose colored glasses and you become incapable of really criticizing your own side. And of course, I have sides I'm more favorable to. And I don't hide that. I think like anybody with a brain could figure that out. However, I am always capable of criticizing my own side. And I think that's so important if you want to be a trustworthy person. You know, um, I sort of I would refer to it as like there's there's trust agents in society and people know who those are. They're the people who, you know, if you see something from them, you don't question you know, where this is coming from. You just know they've never led you astray. And that's kind of my goal is never lead people astray and don't impose so much of my own sort of hope that something is a certain way that I'm losing sight of how my own side could have made a mistake or could have been wrong. Mm. You've got to be able to criticize your own side. Like with Donald Trump, it's very clear, you know, Trump's going to win the primary. He's going to be the candidate. I don't think there's really any scenario. I mean, maybe there's like a 1% chance that, that something crazy could happen. I think you always have to leave that as a possibility. But if you go from this point out, it's very clear he's probably going to be the Republican nominee. Therefore, definitely the person that I will be pushing very hard in the general election. However, I criticize Trump quite a bit. You know, I criticize the the vaccine rollout. Operation Warp Speed, I think, was terrible. Giving Fauci the presidential medal, I think, was terrible. Um, I think that the way that COVID in general with lockdowns and everything happened was terrible. Um, You know, there's a lot of people who feel that way, including, you know, some people very close to the president. And I think that that's not a bad thing. That is a good thing. That's how, um, you know, they say iron sharpens iron. You've got to have people willing to criticize you. And if that makes some people mad, that's okay. You've got to criticize people to make them better sometimes. Um, And I'm no different. You know, like when I'm off, I think like one of the best things you could hope for in a wife is one that is going to let you know when you could be better or that'll call your bullshit. And, you know, I've definitely got a wife like that that'll say like, hey, you know, in this area, you could be so much better. And here's how. And um, that criticism is so valuable. That's that's real love. That's real support. And I think some people lose sight of that. They become just totally obsessed with like a cult of personality. And they say, oh, this person can do no wrong. Let's find an excuse for why this dumb thing he did. Um, was okay or was genius. And sometimes it's just not because every one of us is human. We make mistakes, we screw up, and you've got to be willing to sort of own up to those screw ups and say, okay, you know what? This is how we could be better. Well, it'd be nice if people would organize themselves around principles, right? That don't change. Yeah, that'd be you great. Know, it's, it's like in every other facet of life, we kind of organize our strategies around the immutable characteristics of whatever we're doing, right? Like, for example, sports. There's a certain mechanic that you use to throw a baseball that's going to be most effective at throwing it but also prevent injury, right? Mm. Some, just for your body type, there's going to be something. So it works on the physiological side. and also works on uh, the philosophical side. And th- that's why like every, it seems like every couple of hundred years we have this reawakening where we start reading the Stoics again. Like it's not 2,000 fucking years old. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you know what? I discovered it. Have you, have you guys heard of these stoic people? Like, are you fucking kidding me? You mean the foundation of Western civilization? Yeah, I've heard of them, dude. Um, but instead, we have this fucking hero worship complex. And it's, it applies to MAGA people just as much as it does to anybody on the left. I mean, this hero worship, this idea that some politician or another is going to come save us from shit is... is it is insane to me. I mean, it, it is absolutely bonkers. And why would you even think that? 
It's it, to me, there's it's no just like Iron a diffusion Man. of personal responsibility. That's what I think it is. Yep. There's no Iron Man. There's no mm-hmm. Superman. Nobody's coming down from you know there in some superhero cape to to save us. It's it's us. It's on us to fix these problems. Um, normal people are who created this country. Normal people are who have gotten us through. They're what have really made our country great. You know, um, I sometimes you know. There's this thing I heard once um, somebody say, and and it made so much sense to me. They said, you know, there's these people that society at large or Hollywood or the media, they call extraordinary. You know, they'll say this person who's a politician is extraordinary. Um, And they say that as a way of marking normal people as ordinary. And what's amazing is really the people I find extraordinary are those normal people, you know, like an electrician electricians i don't understand how they do their job what i understand about it is they take a copper wire and they shoot a lightning bolt through it and they get it to my house so that i can have light okay that's incredible to me that's that's extraordinary to me there's farmers out there who work all day in the heat to get this this plant to grow they fight the elements they fight the animals who want to eat it and they grow this beautiful thing and they get it to my house so that my kids can eat. I think that's extraordinary. A politician who goes to D.C. and whines all day about something and gets very little done except for stealing our money, I don't find that extraordinary. I'm sorry, I don't. I think that's very ordinary. In fact, I think it's actually less than ordinary. I think it's pretty disgusting. And I think it's disgusting we put some sort of hero worship attached to it. Um, I think the more we get normal people who are actually extraordinary to go to D.C. or go to these political positions, the more common sense and and the more greatness we're going to see inside of our country and ourselves. We've empowered the wrong people. You know, um, you look at a place like the State Department. They've got all these fancy degrees. They've got all of these accolades and these titles they've had for decades. And if you say something to them about foreign policy, if you grab a farmer off the street and you ask them for a foreign policy take, the person at the State Department would say, well, we got this. This is our expertise. This is our area. Well, who the hell got us to this moment in time where the world's on fire? It's the people at the State Department with the fancy degrees and the titles. Okay, if you took a dozen farmers right now and you put them in charge of foreign policy in America by majority vote, we would be in a much better place. I guarantee you we wouldn't have millions upon millions of people entering our country illegally at the border. I guarantee it. Okay. These people with accolades, the titles and degrees from these schools where they are essentially teaching like underwater feminist basket weaving. They're not impressive people. They're not extraordinary in any way, and they should not be in charge of our country. And I don't know how we can get to this place, but that's where we need to go is getting rid of those people and putting normal, truly extraordinary people in the position of power. Robbie, you got a podcast. You know, we got some sponsors to put this shit wagon on the air. First and foremost, ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. 50% off everything in the entire store right now. Wow. Biggest savings they've ever had in the history of their company. That is 50% off the adjustable base, 50% off the mattresses, 50% off the sheets, 50% off the pillows, the RV mattresses, you name it. Everything is 50% off. Watch the world burn from a, a ghost bed. Uh, go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros today. You can also pre-order that new massaging mattress. That is the only thing that is not 50% off. 
Uh, that's brand new. So those haven't rolled out yet. Uh, they're doing pre-orders as we speak. You get a thousand dollars off though right now over there. The promo code drinking bros. Uh, and it doesn't matter how many items you put in the cart. You're getting 50% off of everything. So if you want, you know, five sets of sheets and 10 pillows and all that other stuff, 50% off with the promo code drinking bros at checkout over there. Plus when you check out, you're going to see a three year pay as you go program. No interest as long as you have decent credits and you can combine that with the 50% off sale off of everything. So it'll stretch it out over three years. So if you were kind of on the fence about getting a mattress right now, know that you can get 50% off of all of it and then stretch it out over three years. And hopefully that helps. Maybe it'll become a Christmas gift. Uh, I know my wife can't live without that goddamn thing and neither can I. Uh, it's a nice joint decision gift for Christmas and the holidays. Speaking of Christmas and the holidays, stocking stuffer sales are already out here. Sheathunderwear.com is back on the program using that promo code Drinking Bros for 20% off your first order over there. Let's go. I'm wearing a pair right now. I want to take a quick sec to thank one of our favorite sponsors, Sheath, for for being with us here. Sheath is the most comfortable boxer briefs ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is just for you. Again, I'm snapping through a pair right now. Bing, bang. Uh, You got to get a pair of these. Uh, One pair will change your life. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. They're like a stretchy fabric that's made out of moisture-wicking technology. Super soft, keeping everything cool and comfortable in the right place. Uh, With mine, dude, I got uh, packing up for the old uh, trip to Columbus, Ohio tonight. Throwing a bunch of different colors in there. Got the Ohio State red in there for good luck. I wear those on game day. A little something about my life that you don't know, but congratulations. You know now, Sheath is uh, extremely useful for staying cool during the summer while working out. The most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated. Prevents things from uh, sticking together and uh, and all that stuff. And you can wear them just like a pair of regular underwear. Again, these are the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you'll ever wear in your entire life. Go to sheathunderwear.com and buy the most comfortable underwear you'll have in your entire life. And use that promo code Drinking Bros, and you'll get 20% off your order. That is sheathunderwear.com. Promo code Drinking Bros for 20% off your order. Uh, plus, they got the new bamboo pairs that are perfect for all weather conditions. Uh, I know I will be in the winter conditions this weekend up in Ohio. Last but not least, we got bioproteintech.com. Click the link in the description or use the sound of my voice to guide you there. Drinking Bros is the promo code that's going to get you $30 off your first order. Guys, if you're over 30, you're going to want to hear this. Every year after puberty, HGH hormone, growth hormone, uh, well, that's the hormone responsible for the workout, recovery, performance, metabolism, even sex drive, that starts to decline, sometimes 50% by age 35. doesn't matter who you are, how hard you train, uh, how good you eat. It's happening to all of us. Here's where BioPro Plus comes in. BioPro Plus is the first of its kind non-synthetic alternative to prescription HGH hormone treatments. All the benefits of synthetic HGH Without any of the needles, side effects, or doctor's visits, the best part about Bio uh, Pro Plus 
Well, works super fast and easy to use and is 100% safe. Just a little vial, a liquid you put underneath your tongue right before bedtime. It's great for sleep uh, and the benefits the next day for your muscles and all that stuff are fantastic. It's been trusted by physicians since 2009, and the benefits of it can be felt in just days instead of months. So when I ordered this, uh, it came with 30 little vials, got shipped right to my house, and uh, boom, you pop one of these in your mouth underneath your tongue every night, and you're good to go. Uh, A lot of people have experienced uh, faster workout recovery, enhanced performance, metabolism, sexual function, and even better mood and energy. Want to fix the way you perform, look, and feel without all the risk of big pharma and that synthetic bullshit? Well, head on over to bioproteintech.com to learn more or click on the link in the audio description. Use that code DRINKINGBROS for $30 off your first order. But the problem is, Robbie, is uh, if we don't elect a Lauren Boebert, for example, (laughs) Who's going to jack off these dudes in a theater in Colorado? And that's what really concerns me. Because yeah. there's not enough dudes getting jacked off at a play in Colorado these days. And that's kind of what I worry about. I also kind of want to go on looks a little bit. So if we are going to do farmers, can they be hot farmers? Like, I mean, I really want to sex them up a little bit. Like the ones, those Amish yes. girls that Dwight Schrute was courting yep. in like the seventh season of The Office. Yeah. That's that's all I want. Yeah. I, I don't want uggos in there, Robbie. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you for the most part there. Uh, See, these, these though, these are the distractions they want us on. They want us <laughs> oh, yeah. It's all a fucking stuff. ruse, man. That's all. I, it, it, it's all it's, it's all like a fucking soap opera or something. And, so and, dumb. You know, getting people off of the serious moment where because this really is a serious moment. It's sort mm. of been my warning to people is like, I will go anywhere and talk to anybody to make sure that we get into the public consciousness that we are at this moment where we're on the precipice of a new form of communism that will essentially imprison our children, and our grandchildren. And it's the people that we've put in charge that are responsible for it. And if we don't stop that, we don't wise up. We don't get smart. It's going to get very bad. I will point out a moment ago, you made a baseball analogy. Um, and I just want to I want to point out, you know, the racism inside of that, because, you know, I'm Cuban and you know that a baseball analogy was the way to speak to me. OK, yeah, <laughs> look, it's the playoffs. I would bro. love, I don't know yeah. I would love yeah. to say yeah. nothing we can it, do. Exactly. And, and I'm also we can do. I'll tell you how far I went with it, too. We're Braves fans and we just got our fucking shit pushed in. We so sure did. But our producers from Philly, though, yeah. so he's back there happier than a pig in shit. Uh, which is fine, uh, but I'm rooting for Creed and the Rangers, obviously. Um, there's one thing I, I want to point out about your Twitter and what you do specifically that I really enjoy, and I think it's uh, important uh, if you are trying to get information out there uh, and and trying to get people to change their mind in regards to big media and everything else. You take a lot of screenshots. I don't know how much time you're on your phone throughout the day, but I want to bring up a post <laughs> from four hours ago. Bob, if you could pull up uh, Robbie's Starbucks uh, uh, Twitter account here, or the artist formerly known as Twitter, I guess now X. Um, you were uh, specifically in this one uh, talking about the propagandists of the New York Times and how they'll change their headline over and over and over again. I was not aware how many times a, uh, a major media outlet was able to do this and actually get away with it. Um, but I oh, like yeah. the way you break this down here um, because you can see the same headline, the same sad, you know, Uh, picture and everything else and just the way that you can tweak a headline as it goes on throughout the day to kind of say what you want first and then what it actually is afterwards to kind of save your own ass here 
Why is this even legal? Uh, oh, it's 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 amazing. Look, so if you look behind me, actually, or I think um, I, I think we might be able to get it on screen for you guys. If you guys can't, um, if we go to to camera three, do you see it? So this is Can this is one of them. I'll show you both there. images. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 We, we've got it up live here. There you go. Okay. So if you see this, the first one, the first narrative they run with is Israeli strike kills hundreds in hospital. Palestinians say. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's a very authoritative thing. It starts with Israeli strike kills hundreds in hospital. And by the way, if you got an Apple push alert, the part you would see cuts off Palestinians say. So um, understand that depending on what phone you get, you know, you're going to get an alert that cuts off part of that headline and gives you just Israeli strike kills hundreds in hospital. Second one, when they update it, says at least 500 dead in strike on Gaza hospital on the hospital. Mm -hmm. OK, Palestinians say and in the story said it was Israel. Um, third one, at least 500 dead in blast at Gaza hospital. So it's no longer, you know, on it. It's at the hospital now. OK, that's very important. Right. And um, so that little change is because somebody, some little birdie found out that it was not the actual hospital that was blown up. It was a parking lot next to it. And then the latest headline is a blast killed hundreds at a hospital in Gaza. OK, so now they know that the narrative is out there and they're slowly changing this. And they they want to still, you know, get that emotional reaction. But this is as far as they can go, knowing that the truth is this is a failed Palestinian rocket. So it never no longer says Palestinians say or Israel or any of that or 500 because they know 500 people didn't die. We're talking about a blown up parking lot that unfortunately some people were camped out at, but it wasn't 500 people, not even close. And um, the mention of Israel is gone. So this is this is how they do things, you know, and it's a perfect sort of art of how the media can craft a narrative, because all those people that saw the first headline, they will not see the rest because they're busy at work today. Those people will believe that Israel did this for a very long time. And you have to also keep in mind the distrust we all have because of weapons of mass destruction. OK, so because of that situation, we distrust our own government. So when our government says, yeah, we have intelligence that it was, in fact, a Palestinian rocket that failed, a lot of people don't believe that mm. because of weapons of mass destruction. So this stuff from the media where they run with a narrative that Israel did it at first helps contribute to the idea that, oh, definitely they did this thing. And people visualize in their heads, because if you notice 18 hours ago when this whole thing starts going crazy, there's no images of the inside of the hospital. Some people ran fake ones that are from like four or five years ago, mm -hmm. but there was no actual images of the destruction. It was just talk of yeah. like 500 plus innocent women and children at a hospital where they were getting care killed, you know, on their hospital beds. And it was just all BS. It was all made up. And these reporters showed what humiliatingly little propagandists they are because so many of them just bought it hook line and sinker and the next thing you see is <clears throat> we have independently confirmed that 500 plus innocent people in a hospital have died their independent confirmation as they were scrolling twitter okay that's the secret of media a bunch of reporters do no reporting they just scroll and they go oh people have said this enough times that i can i can just trust it's true and they'll say oh yeah i've independently i've independently figured out this is the case it's just yeah. it's BS. And the pu the publisher behaves like it's like uh, Billy Madison, that conversation oh, yeah. that he has with Chris Farley. It's like uh, that Veronica Vaughn, blah, blah, blah. One and, fine uh, piece of ace. Yeah. But Billy Madison's like, uh, no, 
No, you don't. He goes, have well, you not, guys seen the parking lot, by the way? I know a guy. You know yeah. what I mean? You see how the story like changes just a little bit each time until you get to the root of their story. And you're like, oh, this isn't even single source information. You're just speculating no. and attributing it to Twitter. Yeah. Are you fucking yeah, it's serious? Like, it's some bot on Twitter sometimes. You yeah. know, like, the, no joke. There's these accounts on Twitter. Like, you've got to be... I don't envy Elon's job because he's trying to figure out how to get rid of these bots mm-hmm. off Twitter. Some of them are very, very advanced. And I don't think people realize that. So some of these accounts, you'll see like something get shared a million plus times. It's an account that is not run by a person. Okay. It's a person that has programmed things and been able to teach it how to craft narratives and things like that. And and through AI is able to, you know, get a bunch of different accounts to tweet similar things. And respond All to it, by is, the way. And, and they'll also yeah. respond to you in oh, yeah. in the same way in, in, in seconds. And it'll pop up in 100%. your feed. Yeah. And so that's where a lot of this stuff is coming from. It's a hard job. I know one of the things that they're talking about doing that I feel kind of weird about is new users, so new signups, not anybody with an account already, but new signups are now going to be asked in a very near future to pay $1 a year for the ability to post, reply, retweet, or anything like that, because that's their effort of staving off this you know, influx of bots. Because also, make no mistake, there are some very wealthy people out there who want X to fail. And so they're funding these operations on purpose to try to inundate X with a bunch of, you know, crazy bots. And this is not a first time thing, actually. I have a little bit of a unique experience. So when I was a young man, I graduated high school very early. I was in a special program where I was able to do my first year of college simultaneous with my last year of high school. So I graduated early. I got recruited by a guy, Brad Greenspan. Okay. He was the original owner of MySpace. And MySpace had a very similar problem. Okay. MySpace died because it was flooded with spam. Okay, some very wealthy people wanted MySpace to fail. They made sure that spam attacks were so unrelenting that you couldn't escape them. They were in your messages. They were on your feed. They were in your comments. They were everywhere. And people stopped wanting to use it because of that. And they went to the alternative social medias. That is what killed MySpace, not News Corp buying it, but the spam. You could see the user behavior change entirely once spam entered the thing. So that's what they're dealing with there. I am curious. Do you guys see the parking lot? Like what it looks like? Oh, yeah, like? yeah. The, so the, we, we've been talking about it. Uh, not not on the show crazy. necessarily. We, we spoke, Another show this morning. Another yeah. show. But we've been, we've been talking about it, uh, me and my friends, people that have been in actual wars before. Yeah. Um. About like, uh, I'll, I'll give them this. Like, uh, these Hodge has the best Kazabak of all time. They can get people out of there. Certainly. Um. What I'm seeing is a small crater, no rubble from a building going down, and no way that 500 people were exfilled from that location in a in a Medivac Kazabak type situation. It's, you, no I can, way. I've oh, I've been in those situations before. I've seen people walk into, uh, like shops or outdoor bazaars and blow themselves up and fuck a bunch of people up and i know what it looks like and that was not what it looked like frankly yeah how do you exfil 500 people that quickly with no with really no remnant of of human casualties Mm. okay there's there's no remnant really i mean very little um you could get me to believe that you know maybe a dozen people were camped out there we're talking about a very small parking lot too this is not like this isn't even like a mall parking lot okay this is this is a very small parking lot that was hit and to your point about the blast, that's probably one of the most telling things is there's not this huge hole in the ground. You know, I mean, the Israeli rockets are no joke. They've got very serious weaponry. And you could look at places they've hit. We're talking about these huge craters. OK, some of the Palestinian rockets are built out of pipes from the ground that they've dug up mm. of, 
you know, infrastructure that was given to them by Israelis, very bizarrely, ironically. And they often fail. A lot of their rockets fail because they're sort of ragtag. It's not as nice. They are getting, you know, I did notice some weird weapons in there. I saw like an M4 in some of these videos and I saw a very American looking AR-15 in in one of them. Did you guys as vets notice that some of these weapons look very American? Not just the weapons, though. Like you can, I can give you upgraded weapons and sure that's going to improve your capabilities to some degree, but the standard, other than Af- like literal Afghan mujahideen, uh, the standard for movement and fire for these folks is not very high. It's, b- it's pretty bad, actually. Their, their idea yep. of 360 degrees security is to spin around and fire in every direction. You know what I mean? It's, uh, yep. uh, they, it, they're widely known for not being able to shoot. And what I saw, um, especially at the EDM concert, but even the way they were moving around door to door in some of the other videos we've seen through those neighborhoods... This is a different. This is, this is a different Hamas. It's a different Islamic Jihad. It's a different Peel. Whatever, whomever's there. I'm so different. glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that. It is very clear that they were trained. I don't know who did it, yeah, but these are you know not the typical jihadists you see over in the Middle East. Just say Iran, Robbie. Just say yeah, Iran. That, okay? It was definitely Iran. That's if I had to put money on it, I would say Iran. I, I would, and I would say maybe you know maybe Russia or China helped as proxies because honestly. You know, their training is even better than like uh, Iran's, quote, revolutionary guard. I mean, they're they're decent, mm. but some of the tactics I saw in there were were kind of beyond decent. They, they looked very reminiscent of American. And I know we didn't train them, um, at least not our government or, or, you know, you know, maybe there's somebody who's gone rogue doing this. But it very clearly was not similar to what we see typically from jihadists in some of these like like ISIS and stuff like that. Or even old Hamas. Maybe they, they've got YouTube over there, Robbie, you know, and they're just learning yeah, via YouTube because those DIY videos are really popular right now. So I will admit I've taught myself a lot of things from YouTube, so I can't I can't rule that out as possible. It's possible. YouTube was responsible for this. Uh, no, same. No. I needed a spark plug for a 95 Ford Bronco and I didn't know which one to get. Found it on YouTube. So I was pretty amped about it. So. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> like the so the the thing that makes us better than everybody else at ground combat is the way that we do it you know what i mean it's it's the um the rehearsing of the op and the being able to communicate without communication devices so uh you know like if you if you ever see any of those top down shots in a shoot house um from soft guys uh you'll see them move like i i heard one guy put it um i think it was fuck what was the guy's name i can't remember his name but anyways a guy that researches uh human performance was like it looked like these guys had done this a thousand times mm-hmm. uh like they were they were moving in a way that seemed like a single organism moving around you know what i mean right but they weren't talking to each other or anything it was this eyes and and the way their bodies were positioned and they everybody knew exactly what to do now the, this attack wasn't on that level but it was it was it was it was trending in that direction mm-hmm. you know what i mean where it's like without having to scream out what you're doing everybody else already knows that tells me one that there was some significant amount of training and two that that op specifically was rehearsed now there's not one fucking prayer that they rehearsed that op inside of palestine without the israelis knowing about it not right. one prayer oh that yeah that didn't happen right so it's like we know egypt didn't do it egypt hates them more than we do 
Yeah. Like they don't they don't fucking they they've taken zero Palestinian refugees, not one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they don't want them. Kuwait kicked them all out. Qatar kicked them all out, even though they still fund Hamas. It's like Iran's the only one who would have done it, right? Probably yeah. with help from Russia and China. I mean, what, what we're hearing, my uh, intelligence community people behind the scenes are telling me that Russia and China definitely had some influence on uh, Saudi Arabia backing out of the Abraham Accords and on oh, definitely, and, and on definitely. some of this other stuff, the emboldenment, if you want to call it that, of Iran. So definitely they're involved, but the direct, the direct player is Iran for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Well, but what do we do now, Robbie? Because Dan and I were talking about this this morning. Uh, We got two different wars going on now. Uh, Like we said at the top of the show, it's pushed everything out of the fucking way regarding Speaker of the House, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden. Oh, fucking fucking Zelensky is like crying in his fucking soup right now. Where's my money? Yeah. I mean, everybody's forgotten about him. We're kind of focused on what's going on here. Who blinks first? And do we actually get involved in this? I saw a meme that was really funny of Zelensky where um, it was like him dressed up as a Mexican and he had like Mexican flag on and he was in California at the lottery office to claim the (laughs) 1.7. I think it's one point seven billion dollar Powerball. He's like, I I forget what the name of California. Yeah, yeah. It was like some Mexican version of his name. And it was it was really funny. I don't know if anybody's seen that. That's pretty um, good. You know, he's definitely at a desperate point because of what's going on in our government. It's becoming increasingly unlikely that Ukraine continues to have just an unlimited, you know, blank check to do whatever they want, um, especially without oversight. That's probably one of the craziest things to me that most people don't know is we have literally no accounting of where our money has gone in Ukraine. We do not require them to show us one receipt, nothing. We don't ask them to say, hey, here's an outline of our budget. This is what we spent it all on not only do we not ask that like we're definitely not asking for actual receipts or proof that that's where they spend it but we don't even ask where they spend it so they have no duty to tell us that um, in exchange for the money that's already been given so that is definitely i think going to change but i think that it's very possible no money continues to go to ukraine i i do think we will give money to israel um they just requested 10 billion and i think we're probably going to give a little bit more than that is is from stuff i'm hearing in dc In terms of us getting involved, there's only one involvement that I feel okay with. Um, Before I get into that, though, I would say I have one rule when it comes to war. Um, If I was senator or I was a congressman or I was a president, my one rule, and I would hope everybody else would sort of think about this themselves, is never get into a war that you yourself would not fight in or send your son to fight in. I think that that's a good barometer for if people are serious and if it is a just war that is necessary because honorable men who have kids, we will fight for our families, for our country. If it is just, if we're attacked in a way where we must protect ourselves, um, then there's no question we should do it. In the case of what's going on in Israel, the only thing we should be doing um, aside from you know saying Israel, you have the ability to defend yourself absolutely, and we're we're fully supportive of that. Is we're talking about twenty five American hostages at a minimum that are held by Hamas right now. In that case, I do think we should have targeted teams going in to save those twenty five people. They're American citizens. It's our duty first before anything else to protect our citizens in our country. That means at the border. That means in our country, in our cities. That also means abroad. And so I do think, you know, from the vantage point of like 
you know, I've got daughters and a son. If my daughters and my son were being held by Hamas right now, you're damn right I would want to have special forces in there knocking down the doors of these Hamas assholes and killing them, yeah. okay? No question I would want that. I think any sane dad in America would want that. And the fact we have not done that, and I know that some families who have family members held by Hamas right now are saying the government isn't even talking to us. They're not even communicating with us. And nothing has been done to get their relatives home. That I'm not okay with. But in terms of boots on the ground, going and deploying and getting on the ground and fighting Hamas in total but to fight somebody else's war, no interest. It's it's not our war. Um you know, I, I care for my Israeli brothers and sisters out there, you know, that have cared for our country. Um, I also care for innocent children that are in Gaza. And I think that it's a horrible situation that we should allow them to work out and we should be hoping to move them toward peace as quickly as possible and getting rid of Hamas and getting them out of leadership. Because if Hamas is still there, this is going to continue decade after decade after decade, probably for thousands and thousands of years. There's a decent chance it does anyways without Hamas. But with Hamas, you know that's going to be the case. Um, but we need to get our people, bring them home. Yeah, I agree with that. There's this... Uh... I was actually talking to Batia Unger Sargon about this the other day, same kind of conversation. There's this old Roman principle called civis Romanus, and you say that phrase out loud. To, if you're a Roman citizen, you say it out loud anywhere in the world if somebody tries to fuck with you. And the implication is that the entire weight of the Roman military will come down on your head and your family's head if you fuck with this person because they're a Roman citizen. There's something to be said for that, right? Mm -hmm. For yep. like you touch one hair on an American's head and we'll blow your fucking country up. Yep. frankly yeah you know it, I mean? it means something it used to mean something you know and i think one of the things that i do miss about president trump is that um he had sort of a different strategy to how to handle these countries especially in the middle east you know for so long the strategy in foreign policy when it came to both democrats and republicans was let's go send you know some incalculable number of 18 year old boys from the midwest to go get murdered in the middle east and they're just numbers on a board as long as we have enough uh, enough of them to overrun whatever group it is we're after that we're also funding through some shadowed you know dark money org on the side um then okay cool and we'll, we get the oil and all that and that used to be their strategy um trump instead was like okay we're having these issues with iran and some of the terror groups they fund Let's kill Soleimani. This guy's been at the head of the snake for so long. Let's take him out, see what happens. And it shows the other side, the people who are actually in power, the oligarchs, people with money like, oh, crap, he took one of our guys. Um, I might be next. And it lets them know you're unpredictable, but that you're not afraid to be savage mm. and that you will go after the appropriate people that some 18 year old kid in Iran has been brainwashed in school since he was a baby is probably not the real problem here. The problem is at the head and to stop the brainwashing and stop this cycle of destruction. And so, you know, I miss that. I miss the mean tweets and peace because that strategy is a strategy that brings you peace because it truly is peace through strength. And some people didn't like the messenger, but the message was right. And that's undeniable. And I think that's why, you know, if if we're looking at a race that's RFK Jr., Trump versus Biden or Newsom, and I tend to think it's going to be Newsom, there's Same. no question Trump is the person mm. um, because of that peace through strength and the way he's handled so many different parts of our economy <laughs> and things like that. COVID is the big red flag for him. And I think that there's enough time for him to have that come to Jesus moment where he realizes like, okay, the people who have had my back always are the people who are the loudest saying you need to clean this up, fix it and make sure it never happens again. Yeah, it's I'm not sure if Trump actually understood this or not, 
uh, or if it's just his personality and the way he communicates. But the way what what you're describing, the way he communicates, that's how you talk to people in the Middle East. That's how you communicate, right? It's like here in America, I might say, "Well, I'm your boss," or or here's my set of facts. They trump yours, or here's my job title, here's my background, or whatever, or physical intimidation, maybe to some degree. Uh, if I'm trying to make a point to some shopkeeper in Iraq, like, hey, we need information, motherfucker. I'm going to grab him by his collar and slap him in the face mm-hmm. because that's how you communicate there, right? It's, it, it, it doesn't sit well with us, but that's not our fucking country, right? Uh, and in, this, in the same way, they, they communicate through fucking uh, 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 acts of strength. That's how they communicate. The words you use, like they'll be very polite to your face, very frequently, but you can tell they're lying. But if I walk over to it's this old po- school barbarism, it is. Yeah, if I walk they, over they, to this police chiefs, like I remember distinctly, my buddy, you, you've met Ben West before. Yeah, uh, his patrol was driving down a street next to a JSS, a Joint uh, Service um, Police Station, and an RPG flew out of the front door and hit his truck. Right, fucking blasted glass all over everybody. They cleaned the mess up, and me and my commander come in at night. And I, he's, he's yelling at this guy, but in the meantime, I'm walking around behind him, smashing his trophies and shit on the ground, slapping pictures off of his fucking desk, just being a mean person, right? And it wasn't, I mean, I was angry because he took a shot at my friends, but mostly that's just how you do it. That's how you communicate. Like, you can't fucking, we, we thought we were going to go civilize people. Are you fucking serious? Like, really, you thought that we were just going to change an entire culture? it's we're so stupid the way we handle these things. So Trump is definitely the best guy to handle that, whether that works in other places or not, or whether he did it intentionally, or it's just a coincidence that that's his personality. I don't think it really matters at this point. Cause we got a big fucking problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just about results, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't really care how, how, how that came to be that that was his you know impulse, but the impulse is correct, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, the reality is, is I think a lot of people who have not, there's apparently a lot of Democrats who have never traveled. I've been all over the world and you see very quickly in the Middle East that there's sort of a barbaric tendency in terms of um, behavior sets that is very popular. And I think that's like an eloquent way of saying what you just said. <laughs> um, you know, one where I, where I don't get in too much trouble. But the, the truth is, is that, yes, this is a very barbaric society. Uh, at large across many of these areas and it requires a different type of communication yep 100 uh speaking of that there's an insurrection going on right yeah now. right now bob uh, palestinian one right pop this no, up no, right no, now no, no, no this, this is inside capital. of our capital right now bob democrats have stormed the capital to, uh, to call to, for a ceasefire pull this up uh they've entered the rotunda they are inside the capitol building uh they have just hung a ban a banner that reads ceasefire here inside the Capitol building. This is uh, identical to what we saw on January 6th. Uh, it is actually happening now. Let me pop that up on screen, Bob. So is this pro-Palestine here? Is that what we're yeah. seeing? Uh, I did see a report about 20 minutes ago that Capitol Police had begun arresting people. Great. Oh, and look at this. You guys look at this. So right before that, Rashida reading this. Okay, do you see this video I have up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's so hard Rashida sometimes watching those thing. videos? 
she and, was and the know, people telling the, the kids the don't cry for this the cease like, let them cry so she's leading the insurrection we've got this we've got xcep live on our screen behind us <laughs> um, so you can you can see i mean this is uh one of the things i love about this new set is i can just like scroll twitter and it's right there for everybody um but yeah no you can i mean this looks this looks remarkably like january 6th i mean there's been a lot of cases of like um you know pro-abortion people going into capitals and stuff like that this is probably the most similar thing i've seen to j6 right now um because they're in there they're they're disrupting a hearing right now yeah and most definitely you know this is not the normal sort of mode of operation inside of of the house and you can see here look they're struggling with some of the officers do you guys see that yeah one of the things i just read uh capitol police have made 300 arrests so far Mm. in the demonstration it's getting close that that's about the same amount they yeah, made. About the same amount. You were referencing, uh, Robbie. You were referencing the uh, Senate Heart Building thing. And what was it, 2018? I think they tried to go into the Capitol, but the Capitol was closed that day, so mm-hmm. they just went over to Senate Heart Building. Which, like, hey, at least they got their steps in. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's important to stay uh, to stay active. You got to um, look at those numbers on your Nike fuel bracelet. Yeah. You know, at the end of the yeah. day, to make sure you're getting these yeah. steps in. Uh, why were they allowed to enter the Capitol? Uh, do we have any info on that right now? Because that seems shocking to me. Uh, one would think with everything going on in the Middle East and, I don't know, something that happened on January or on uh, September 11th here, we probably wouldn't allow this. Uh, but here we are. Um, and this is going on live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, we can see that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look I at can't that. breathe. Because oh, I breathe primarily out of my wrist. <laughs> 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 you fucking dummies. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh no oh my sciatica i mean that dude definitely looks like he uses an inhaler oh uh, oh he's he's really spazzing out this there. <laughs> is he autistic this is, is autistic gonna be kid a great there? meme for a long time this guy wow we're watching this unfold live is that right better now. i don't know if that's going to be better than the woman in the little cap screaming no in her little fucking raincoat after trump got elected that's one of my favorite that's one of my favorites that's, too. that's a forever meme. yeah so when is the primetime special going to be then of this because i want to be there for the for the insurrection and what happened and what went wrong who these people are how much time they're going to spend in jail all of that now i, 20, I can't wait for 20 that. years we need 20 years in solitary confinement easy Easy. Right for all of these people, I think Easy, that's because here's the thing too. After J six, these people know what a serious crime this is, so it's even worse. <laughs> it's this is worse. <laughs> so I mean, there are rules in place. There is a precedent set, and there are uh, uh, actual sentences that have been dished out for this type of behavior. Hopefully, they get treated the same, Robbie. But I don't know. We'll find out in what three years because this is still going on for a lot of these guys. Oh yeah, no, this is gonna this is gonna take a while. As we've seen from J six cases, um, we're gonna have to have these people held in solitary for at least three years till we can figure out what to do with them. Yeah. But then they're looking at twenty to thirty years each. Yeah, and then if any uh, any bills come up between now and then, we'll pass those so we can see what's in them. Yeah, that'd be yes. great because we live in and the dumbest period in human history, <laughs> the dumbest by a wide margin. We used to be ignorant, now we're fucking dumb. It's very different. Yeah. Uh, it's a good time to uh, to ask you where everybody can find you on social media and your show, The Robbie Starbucks Show. 
Yes, absolutely. So go to at Robbie Starbuck on any platform. We stream live on Facebook, YouTube, X. Uh, YouTube doesn't really like, they're not very friendly to us. Same, they, they hide same. our streams. Yeah. They ban us for weeks at a time and stuff. But, um, and then Rumble as of, um, I think Friday this week, everything will be live on Rumble. Um, so, you know, all, all those places, it's at Robbie Starbuck. Very easy to find me and would love to have your listeners listen to the show when they're not listening to you because yeah, obviously absolutely. you guys are narcissists and you want to come first you don't want to put me first i get it that's fine but robbie yeah, it's not that it's, wow, it's you're, because you're you're latinx you're really you playing, know that we don't do that really playing I'm the Cuban, violin over there what is this shit it is it's because we're <laughs> racist <laughs> robbie you can say we're white supremacists <laughs> over here all right so say I what you will. It. I didn't want to say it. I was thinking it. However, I have found out recently that apparently I am too. Um, oh shit! It was only it was only in recent history when Democrats figured out that Cubans are actually the most conservative voting bloc in the entire country that um, they decided Cubans are uh, not just white but white supremacists. So um, <laughs> apparently, I can't even call you racist because oh, I'm apparently I'm apparently one of you. Do you, you think, are. Do you think it's at all them. ironic that everybody that's experienced communism firsthand is anti-communist? But uh, should we glean anything from shocking. that, or just we'll just keep going? Or it what? should not be shocking to people. Yeah. It should it should probably be like a warning. <laughs> I always say to people like. If you think the people whose families have experienced communism are like trying to warn you about this for fun, you're really deluding yourselves because like after your family goes through a generational like, you know, sort of event like that, you kind of want to just enjoy your family and your life and everything. The fact that they're all using their time and energy to try to warn you. Um, Cubans did it for Venezuelans. They they warned this is like a very well-known thing in the Latino community. Cubans went hard trying to warn Venezuelans that Maduro and uh, his party were, were communists and that they were going to destroy the country. And unfortunately, Venezuelans didn't listen. And it's to the lament of all these Venezuelan Americans now who all say, like, it was the biggest mistake ever. We should have listened to the Cubans. Um, it's like that now in America where at the same point, that the Venezuelans were at when Cubans were warning them about Maduro and his party. And you had all these Venezuelans saying that could never happen here. It could never happen here. The Castro situation is not going to happen here. And sometimes I guess you don't figure out it's happening until it's already happened. Well, Venezuela is going to be fine. They, they minted a new 2000 Bolivar uh, yep. bill today. It's fine. It's dude. all fine. It's all, that's sure going to work. 30 trillion yen. Down. You'll be able to buy a pack of gum. You sure will. And maybe some uh, Winston one twenties. Uh, Robbie, this is the, the point in the show. We get to the drinking bro of the week, which is someone who has inspired you or helps you become the person you are today. Who would you like to give the drinking bro of the week to? Oh man. Um, it has to be a guy, right? No, no it can be a, it can living be a or girl dead doesn't even have to be dead. real. Yeah, it could be a doll. Then I'll give it to my wife because my wife, she's 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 a real badass. You know, like she inspires me to be the best I can be. Um, she's really like she's what every man should have, which is like your wife really believing in everything you do. I mean, imagine, you know, the career I had in Hollywood, I directed Oscar winning actress some of the biggest stars in the world, making great money. And I go, honey, I want to burn my career down and talk about politics. Um, <laughs> you know, most wives would be like, uh, yeah, no, that's not happening. You're going to continue to work with all of these A-list celebrities and keep this, you know, this together and your company together. And uh, my wife from moment one was like, yes, you need to do this. And, um, you know, you can't, you can't hope and pray for that type of support. I mean, like you should, you should pray for that, but 
nobody could realistically like expect that to happen. But my wife was like, you burn it down. Um, here's some matches, you know, like I'll throw a couple in too. And um, I couldn't be more grateful for that because I wouldn't be where I am without her. Awesome. That's the same thing Josh Smith said. Yep. Uh, buddy of ours, Montana Knife Company, mm-hmm. same same dealio. Like yeah. he, he was yeah. doing it kind of as a hobby. And she's like, dude, stop your job and go do what you want to fucking do. That's mm-hmm. behind every great man is a great yeah. woman. It's true. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, Get married, have babies, you know, pray, enjoy life, start a farm. That's the other thing. I love, I love being outdoors with our animals. Like if I could tell young men anything, like don't listen to the people telling you don't get married or whatever. Like, find a good woman, get married. Yeah, and experience life. Yeah, have as many I, kids and experience I, life. I, I agree. I've got uh, three of them myself uh, celebrating ten years with my wife here next week. Uh, we appreciate awesome. you being on the show, man. Uh, you're fantastic. It's almost like you listen every day. Either that, or we share the same brain because we agree on a lot of things. Here. Well, we're all white supremacists. So. Well, that that's that's the only thing we that's just different. found that out. We just yeah, found that out. That's the only thing that's different. <laughs> is you're a, a latent, different skin you're a color. Late, a latent life white supremacist. Yeah, well, just, white like, supremacy. <laughs> I've <laughs> got to stay out of the sun. Is the only thing you know because some people at the rallies might start to catch on uh, oh, yeah. if I'm in the sun too often. So I think I've got to avoid those because uh, the brown might uh, might scare some of them off. Uh, it, it sure will. <laughs> We'll see you in the rotunda here in about 20, Robbie. Uh, <laughs> down, right. Download the Robbie Starbucks show uh, whenever you're done listening to us every day. Uh, great guy, great opinions, and, uh, and a great guest. Uh, we appreciate being here. Go to iTunes, rate the show a five-star, and leave a quick review. Also, head on over to Spotify. It's just a five-star. And you can walk away for D'Anthony, D'Anthony Holloway, Robbie Starbuck. I'm Ross Patterson. This is the Drinking Bros Podcast. Good night, everyone. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.